Welcome everyone to Fast Talk. I'm your host, Chris Case. It goes without saying that we are living in a time defined by disruption. Loss, disappointment, confusion, and far too much uncertainty are everywhere. I think it's safe to assume those emotions are also universal. Each of us has been impacted by the current pandemic in small and all too frequently large ways. And at first, it probably isn't entirely apparent that these same emotions are everywhere in cycling. We deal with defeat, we deal with uncertainty, disappointment, setbacks, injuries, and we deal with loss all the time. In fact, we do so at almost every race we compete in. Even the winningest cyclist of all time, the epitome of a champion, Eddie Merckx, lost far more than he won. Our guest today is Julie Emmerman, a clinical and sports psychologist with extensive experience working with professional cyclists, NHL players, MMA fighters, and everything in between. Julie recently appeared on the show in episode 102. And it goes without saying, today I'm at home, Trevor's at his home, and Julie's at her home. In today's episode, we address how to effectively and constructively deal with the emotions of loss, uncertainty, defeat, disappointment. The lessons will, of course, help both with dealing with the uncertainty of a pandemic and with addressing the emotional roller coaster that is bike racing. We delve into dealing with anxiety and developing coping mechanisms to stressful times and events, returning to routine after great change, setbacks, and injuries, creating challenges for motivation, satisfaction, and mental well being, and much more. Next week, with the help of Dr. Steven Seiler, exercise physiologist extraordinaire, we'll discuss ways to properly adjust your training. But today, we'll focus upstairs on the mind. So, Let's take it slow in these challenging times in hopes that soon we can all get back to going fast. Thanks, Julie, for uh, being available in this strange time. It is great to be back, not under these circumstances, but thank you for having me back. Certainly. And I know we wanted to really talk about the things that people can do to adjust their mindset or really just cope with the current situation in the world. And I think sometimes we'll talk about that and it will very naturally feel like we're talking about the general situation. But I also think what's cool is that a lot of the things we'll talk about today can be applied to people's mindset and attitudes and psychology when they're performing as athletes or in their training or dealing with certain setbacks within the athletic context. Yes, I agree. There's a lot of carryover for sure. As a psychologist in this time right now, have you been hearing from a lot of athletes that you work with or, or even just friends that are asking you for, for help? for dealing with loss, dealing with uncertainty, dealing with uh, disappointment at the race season being completely crushed at this moment and, and in this state of unknown. There's so many unknowns right now. Yes, I, I have been hearing from people, whether they're clients or friends, family. I think we're all you know, kind of reaching out to one another at this time 
because it is such a time of uncertainty that we've never really had to encounter before. And I think that level of uncertainty is unparalleled um, and people are struggling because we, we all like a certain amount of predictability in our day to day. In particular with athletes, I have been talking about the disappointments that they're experiencing, whether it's around the Olympics um, or various races that they were aiming for or various events. Um, and just the overall sense of loss around, wow, I've been putting so much energy and attention on these things, especially given it's an Olympic year. And now that seems to all be in question. So naturally that raises people's anxiety and their sense of fear, a sense of purpose. Um, so that yes, people are asking a lot of questions and just trying to cope as best as we all can. And I also turn that question over to Trevor, really. I know you're still coaching some athletes and perhaps uh, many of their questions are more towards the, well, how do I adjust my training? But I know that you take the mental side of training very seriously. So how have you been, what what are the conversations been like with some of your athletes around mindset and dealing with this, this, this huge disruption? I've had this conversation with every one of my athletes and it's been different with every single one of them. There is no one solution to this. I think it's a combination of what were their goals, where are they at in their season and each individual. I have one athlete who's extremely concerned about this. I gave her some workouts for the weekend to kind of give her a stress relief. And she went, that's going to weaken my immune system. I can't do that. I have another athlete who, uh, he works in the stock market. Last couple of weeks have been really bad for him. He called me up. He's like, destroy me this weekend, please. I need to go do something. Mm. Uh, I was, yeah kind of of that mindset myself. I do think there is a right now a, a therapeutic side to the cycling. I myself yesterday climbed up into the mountains. Uh, the weather report was sunny. So of course, by the time I got to Ward, it was snowing really hard. And I remembered back to Christmas, which was a much happier time, what, 25 years ago? Uh, and just put on Christmas music, biked into the snowstorm, and went, this is what I needed. This feels pretty <laughs> good. <laughs> Christmas in March. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I think that, um, you know, as a pandemic, by definition, we are all in this, and we are all experiencing it, and there are certainly commonalities of what we're ex we are experiencing, and I do think that it is important to give each person that we have a touch point with time and space to air out how they personally feel affected. Because I know a lot of people don't really feel like it's legitimate to talk about something like even the Olympics, given that, you know, so many thousands of people are dying. And I think there are ways to certainly navigate conversations where there is sensitivity to the realities of what's going on, as well as give a respectful space for people to talk about how they personally feel impacted and, and how they want to cope with that. I'd like to sort of dive a little bit deeper into the issue of anxiety here, of being adaptable to the moment, and discuss some of those coping mechanisms that you wanted to discuss, Julie. Do you want to address that head on? You know, one of the reasons I, I felt strongly about trying to offer people, your listeners, um, something constructive is because I recognize there is so much uncertainty out there and, and people are struggling with a sense of purpose and so on. And to piggyback onto the last podcast that I did just a few weeks ago, where we touched on resilience, 
it seemed like a perfect opportunity to expand on that. Also in that podcast, I was mentioning that really life is never a straight line. And most of us as an adult, usually we have experienced that at this point. And life is filled with some degree of tension almost always. And things are always changing. No one could foresee the ways in which things have changed just in a you know short week's time, but nevertheless, they have. And so by definition, our patterns and routines are disrupted. There has been so much loss, whether it's financial or in terms of your goals, as we were just mentioning. And so now is a time where it, you know, how do you find that resilience and what can people do to find that resilience? I think it's very important for people to be able to tolerate some of the harder emotions that come with life experience. Sometimes things don't work out how we hope they will. Sometimes, no matter how much we try and how much effort we put in, there is just a certain amount of control we do not have and will never have over our lives. It's a fact that people don't like to face necessarily because we like to think of ourselves as being able to control nearly everything. But at this point in time, it's never been more clear to most that something as invisible as a virus can just, you know, literally bring the world to a halt. Where resilience is beckoned, that means there's been some kind of loss, some kind of disappointment, something is either fractured or broken, and we are looking for ways to um, rebuild. I think it's very important to recognize for yourself or for your family and loved ones, where are those losses coming from? What are the things that are causing you the most stress at this point in time? And to try as best as possible to be self-soothing or seek soothing from other people around those things that you're experiencing. After one is able to kind of come to grips with their pain, then you can start to rebuild. But it's very hard to rebuild if you don't first just try to give respect to those things that you're feeling that are causing you pain in the first place. Would you have people literally write some of these things down? Because, you know, a a lot of people might hear what you're saying and say, oh, I I know what the loss is. I can't race my bike anymore. Or they might they might casually uh, have the thoughts around what loss means or identifying what disappointment they have, but would you actually encourage people to sort of write things out to, to give a little bit more um, impact to them? I think that's a great idea. I think journaling about anything right now is a great idea, whether there, that means people, some people prefer to write in full sentences and some people doodle their thoughts or whatever it is. I do think it's a good idea to flush it out in writing somehow or, and, or talk about those things with, others in your life, in your life. What about the notion of trying to keep a routine that is familiar in times like this? How does that play into resilience? Sometimes as a psychologist, we are looking at um, people's adherence to their routine and wondering if it's overly rigid or um, compulsive. And I think in this scenario, it's important to normalize and let people know that routine is um, more often healthy than not um, in terms of your day-to-day activities. So what I mean by that is if people are used to, oh, at eight o'clock, I go have coffee, 8.30, I'm at work, or whatever your day-to-day pattern is, and now all of that has been upended, the first way to take back some sense of control when you feel very little control is to look at what are the things in your day that you can still have impact on? What are the routines that you can still have that are familiar and doable 
And where do you need to be adaptable and open to establishing a new routine? And, and to bring this back maybe to an athletic context, this is one of those skills where you could say, okay, um, it sounds like you're talking about coronavirus right now, but if you think about it, say you're injured and um, right, exactly. you, can't, you can't get on your bike, but you do want to um, sort of uh, build the resilience within you to, to have a, a more positive outlook on things. You want to get back into a routine so that that is a, a beneficial part of what we're talking about here, whether it's injury or sort of a, a mood issue, if you will, after a, a devastating uh, defeat or something like that. It's that's, that's, how you can apply this in a more athletic sense, if you will. Exactly, exactly. And most people, if you've suffered any setback, um, hopefully you've encouraged yourself to be resilient by finding what you can do versus focusing on what you cannot do. It's really important to have that sort of can-do attitude as well as a creative mindset to problem solve, especially now when we might feel pretty limited compared to what we're used to. And, and I guess simultaneously here, as I'm looking through some of the the thoughts that you had sent to me before we discussed or before we started recording, I should say, there's the routine side of things here, which we're saying in, in times like these is quite beneficial. There's also um, some caution when it comes to comfort zones. You don't want to overdo the things that might lead to setbacks, whether that's too much eating or too much drinking or too much of these other things that in times of, of uh, uncertainty will bring you comfort, but can be overdone. Typically in situations like this, when people feel a loss of control, you'll see a range of responses from, you know, sort of the surrender, throw your hands up in the air and just, oh, you know, throw everything out the window. And why don't we just keep eating everything or, mm -hmm. or you'll yeah. see a lot of overconsumption. And then you will see on the other side of the spectrum extremes where people will just launch themselves into some hyperactivity that seems very rigid and inflexible. And that's their attempt to deal with circumstances that they feel are beyond their control. So whatever your default pattern is, it's important to just try to notice it, be aware of it, and then ask yourself, you know, is this really helpful for you right now? Will this be helpful for you in the long run? And it is somewhat typical where you'll see people maybe initially delve into a comfort zone in the face of a threat like this, and then even out and be able to kind of pick themselves up by the bootstraps, as the expression goes, and return to, to some normalcy or whatever normalcy they can experience at that time. Watching out for some catastrophic thinking is important being able to recognize where you might have negative or um, distortions in cognition that are, are just false beliefs. So for example, the entire fear of running out of toilet paper is an example of people's distortions um, cognitively it, or you know, buying up all this water when water is not what we are threatened by right now. We're not, we're not at risk of having our water be contaminated. So in your responses, it's important to recognize those things. Um, and part of doing that is recognizing where your emotions and impulses might be getting the better of you. Could you bring this back again to the athletic context and, and help us understand how this could be applied in, in training or competition? 
Yes, I think this absolutely is something that athletes experience um, quite often because anytime there's an injury or any kind of setback, it's really crucial that that person doesn't see themselves as a victim. Um, and oftentimes with victim-oriented thinking, there are those cognitive distortions. But an athlete will gravitate towards having a growth mindset and seeing things as an opportunity and then positioning themselves in a way that allows them to set themselves up for success given the opportunities that are available. And there will be a commitment to various aspects of their life with respect to training. Um, and so then that sort of engenders a positive momentum with a good outlook for the future. One of the things I'm doing with all of my athletes, as I said, this, the solution for each athlete has been different. Uh, but the one commonality is first exactly what Julie said earlier, which is let everybody deal with the loss in their own way. Uh, you know, loss is something we see in sports all the time and everybody handles it differently and it is important to, to come to a reckoning with the loss. But then I personally very quickly tried to move my athletes towards looking ahead. What's if you, you think about it simply, if you're injured, if you're dealing with what we're dealing with right now, now kind of sucks. Look ahead. Set a, what, what I do with my athletes is I set a future goal. So the, the races they wanted to do in April aren't a reality right now. I had the same thing. I wanted to have a really strong March and April season. And I, I definitely had to deal with losing that. But the first thing I did for myself is go, okay, what are the races I'm going to target now? And I, I redesigned my season around August and September. With each of my athletes, I sat down and said, what do we want to target now? What are the, the new goals? And for some of them, that was races later in the season. For some of them, they went, well, I don't really have an event now. The one I really want to do this year doesn't exist. So we we set different priorities for the season. Maybe this is a season that we focus on really building their level so that they can have a great year next year. But just getting them to latch on to something that they can build towards, that they can work towards, a new goal. And I, and I've actually seen some some inspiring pieces from professional athletes online that I think can be applied to all of us and that is, you know, their livelihood is racing their bikes and they can't do that right now, but they've been sending out the message. And in particular, I'll, I'll give a, a nod to Payson McKelvin, who was on that episode with Julie, episode 102. And he's really pushing people to not take this opportunity to binge watch Netflix, but to set goals right now to do something, whether that's learn a new skill whether that's to get fit inside your house in different ways. Hey, maybe you aren't the guy that um, is like Trevor and you don't do your weights. Well, maybe now is the time to take up a routine like that. Or, you know, maybe you just need something totally distracting and so you take up knitting. But whatever it is, setting short-term goals that just happen to be different from what you had on the calendar is also, I think, a very positive thing and will help you feel a sense of accomplishment right now, even though you might be indoors much more than you had thought you would be or, or hope to be. I've been hearing from people who are also questioning how they can find motivation because given the state of the world, 
you know, bike racing seems to lack now a sense of purpose. And so they are feeling less motivated to take good care of themselves from a training perspective, because, you know, what does it all matter when this is seriously serious and people are dying? So towards that end, um, I agree with you, Chris, that it is really important to look for things right now, day to day, that you can feel good about, that you can, that gives you a sense of self-agency, that you feel somewhat challenged by, that can offer that sense of satisfaction just day to day. Because we don't know. We don't know when we can race. We don't know when we can do this. We don't know when we can do that. Um, that's quite unsettling. But if you can narrow your focus and think, okay, well, what are the things that I can do that can give me a sense of purpose? Or what are the things that can give my life meaning right now? Sure, the focus has shifted, but I think a lot of people will find themselves surprised at how adaptable they are. Yeah, and and last night when we spoke, Julie, before we uh, decided exactly what we wanted to talk about today, you had mentioned that there's some a body of research, uh, and again, I'm not trying to make light of uh, the situation here or, or make a, a connection between these two things that I'm going to draw parallels between. But I think it 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 is an interesting um, anecdote, and that is the research you were referring to was with uh, POWs, people that have spent time in solitary confinement. And again, I'm not saying that what we're going through right now is anywhere near that, but it's in those populations of people, those who used creativity, who set challenges for themselves in those extremely challenging and harsh conditions came out the other end with better psychological, uh, emotional outcomes. Yes, um, it has been a while since I have visited that literature, but certainly people that were able to create challenges for themselves fared better psychologically after, for example, solitary confinement. People that kept in mind their personal and collective goals fared better. People who are able to utilize a sense of humor, um, utilize their faith, keep a positive outlook on the future, even if they may not be a part of that future, trying to to remember um, life is greater than them as an in, as a individual, but seeing a, a bigger and broader picture. Um, trying to always remember to have gratitude. Um, these are people that do tend to fare better after extreme situations, and not coincidentally, those are also the characteristics of somebody who's resilient. So yeah, getting back to that element of resilience, uh, what else can you tell us about what makes a person resilient? Characteristics of somebody who is resilient include somebody who is able to view change as impermanent. So if you're experiencing a negative change or a positive change, just remembering that things are always in flow, in a flux. Um, People who can reframe to see things as opportunities people who are aware of and can catch themselves in cognitive distortions, um, people who are able to manage strong emotions and impulses, people who can focus on events that are within their control, people who choose not to see themselves as victims, people who are action-oriented in thoughts and behavior, 
people who are able to commit to various aspects of their lives to make those areas proceed forward in various ways that are available at the time. Um, again, a positive outlook on the future, using faith, humor, um, remembering to surround yourself as much as possible with positive-minded people, um, and to have patience. Yeah, and I, I'm, I think that that is very clearly a process um, for some people, they might have learned to get to that point more quickly. For others, it will take a bit more work. They might need some help. They might need some coaching. I recognize that I've mentioned the use of humor as a positive coping mechanism um, to encourage resiliency. And I just want to also let people be aware that it is important to be sensitive to people are experiencing different things at any given time. And so be careful with how you share what you find funny and what you find funny, because you never know if somebody is struggling with the loss of a loved one or someone who is threatened. Um, we all have parents. Most of us know people who are elderly, um, people who are at risk. And so with some of the funny things going around, um, I just think it's important to be sensitive to that because everyone's in a different place. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a great time to actually... Um, be open and realize or just recognize how other people are handling it and what can you bring into your own life that might be helpful. For example, I see a lot of creativity online, people doing different dances and funny things. I see families developing little exercise circuits in their backyard for those that are able to be outside. Um, just different creative means of staying occupied. Now, again, like I said at the top of the show, a lot of these things that we talked about today in this context, in the context of a world uh, completely disrupted by the coronavirus, you can look at these things and say, okay, that makes sense, but I'm an athlete. But you just have to place yourself in a context where all of these things are applicable to gain a lot from what we just spoke about. So one of the things that fascinates me about this time period is how it affects people differently, whether you are introverted or extroverted. And though I don't think there is an algorithm that, that exists to measure this, I do think that people naturally find themselves in a routine in their day-to-day -day life where you have a good mix that works for you. So if you're mostly introverted, but you like a little bit of social time, most people are able to kind of carve out a way of living that suits their needs. And right now, extroverts have so much less control over how they're getting their needs met. So I think it's important to recognize that much like an introvert will feel absolutely exhausted after like a three-day conference where they're surrounded by hundreds of people, right now the extroverts are probably a lot more uncomfortable than introverts. I know some introverts who joke about, you know, kind of welcoming the social distancing and extroverts are struggling. So I think I would just like to encourage extroverts to be creative in reaching out to others using whatever technology they can to um, connect. And that might be a great way to segue into what I thought we should talk about in the second half of the show, which is getting creative right now with your training um, and not only getting creative, but understanding how to modify it to deal with the current situation. So perhaps we can dive into that. Yeah, that sounds good. I think regarding exercise, um, from what I've seen, a lot of the coaches have been suggesting 
similar things like dialing down intensity, um, keeping exercise going for the physical and mental health benefits. Um, and I'm sure Trevor can speak more to that. I think another really important thing that we need to recognize is the timing of all this for cyclists. And yes, we can say there are much more important things going on right now, but it's still important to recognize what's going on in, in, in our own mindsets. And the fact of the matter is, I'm personally experiencing this. I know all my athletes are experiencing this, and, and I think a lot of cyclists are experiencing this, where we've spent months and months and months doing our base work, getting prepared for the season, making all the sacrifices so that we can be strong come March and April when the season starts. And unfortunately, now that we've done all that work, we've done all that preparation, the season's been pulled out from underneath us. And you can try to brush that off, but I think for a lot of athletes, there is a real sense of loss there of, all this work I did has just gone out the window. Uh, and, and I do think that's important to recognize. Julie, are there any tools out there that people can use in this modern world with technology to help them deal with a situation like this? Yes. And like anything else, the technology can be used um, in both positive and negative ways. So uh, before I answer your question directly, I just want to really discourage people from sitting in front of the TV and watching the news endlessly. And I especially want to discourage people from um, spending hours and hours on social media because as fascinating and gripping as um, what's happening across the world is, um, statistically, we know that social media tends to raise anxiety much more so than traditional media. That being said, it's also important to be discerning in traditional media so that you can try to determine as best as possible that you're getting accurate information. So for, the, for as far as establishing routine and trying to take control over things, I think it's important to recognize how much time you might be spending and try to reduce that because most people are probably spending too much time following the news and avoiding the rest of life that can simultaneously be happening. Other things that people can do as far as creating possibly a new routine are using some apps uh, to help with um, just their mental well-being. So Headspace is a wonderful app, especially for athletes. There's another app called Calm, and there's a variety of sleep apps out there that might also be helpful for people at this time. Another thing that people can do to just try to reduce anxiety during a time like this, it might sound hokey, but actually just using tactile things can be very effective at helping to self-soothe. So for example, holding something comforting like a puppy or your dog or you know, even holding your partner's hand or holding something that is just associated for you with, with comfort can be helpful during times where you feel like your anxiety might be spiking. You can also just try to surround yourself with comforting smells. Lavender is shown to be an effective anxiety reducing type of, um, it has an anxiety reducing effect on people. There's visuals that can also be calming and soothing. There's auditory cues that can be soothing, such as nature sounds, various music. Um, certainly comfort food is not called comfort food um, for no reason. There's lots of things like chocolate that people tend to go to, and I would obviously encourage that in moderation. And then again, exercise is hugely important for helping us to regulate our moods. And I would also encourage people to, again, utilize people around them 
That being said, I would encourage people to also consider that everybody around you is going through the same thing in various ways. And so people's moods will have um, maybe a little bit more reactivity than you're used to. And just try to afford everybody around you a wide berth because one minute, maybe somebody's feeling okay about things. And then a couple hours later, they're feeling depressed. So just trying to afford everybody around you a bit more grace, especially if you are living with or know people who are on the front lines in the medical community. Mm. Very good thoughts. Yeah, I'm guilty of half of the things you just mentioned. (laughs) The other thing that I just wanted to emphasize too is a lot of people are complaining that they're bored. And I would just encourage you to try to find purpose in something that you're doing. Um, I know for myself, it's a it's been a helpful time to catch up on things that I usually feel like I can't really get to because other things will then fall behind. So I've been challenging myself to learn new computer skills. Um, some people might challenge themselves to pick up a guitar. Some people might challenge themselves to teach their kids a various skill or language, for example. Um, so just trying to be creative with learning something and challenging yourself. Um, these are all good ways to just try to make the best of the situation. I decided last week that I was going to undertake what seems to me unfathomable, which is weaning myself off of caffeine. Mm. And yes, I know. Um, it's like summiting Everest. But um, so I had an episode last week where I was sick and I did get tested and I was negative, fortunately. Um, but after getting sick, I realized I hadn't had any caffeine in a few days and it didn't seem painful at the time. So I was just going to go with it. And it had been on my mind for a while to um, get off caffeine for a little bit because I have a pretty serious caffeine addiction. And I decided no better time than now. So I've just been drinking decaf and actually it's been going pretty well. I am impressed. I have to say I'm impressed too. <laughs> I didn't think I could do it. Well, I know some mountaineers and they actually say uh, climbing Everest is actually pretty easy. So. <laughs> There's, there's other mountains that are much harder, Julie. This is true. <laughs> this is true. But I, I would love to know what challenges you guys might take on. Well, as I referred to earlier, I've sort of taken upon myself to give, my, give myself a, a running challenge. And I'm trying to set a, uh, a mile PR time. Uh, I was much better runner in high school. So to get back to that level at the age of 42 is is quite a challenge. It's a physical challenge. It's not anything more than that at this point. Um, I should probably come up with a non-physical challenge too to complement that. But yeah, I'm going to try to set a mile PR. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Trevor, what about you? (laughs) Uh, We're starting up two new businesses. We've moved offices. Uh, I'm trying to fold up my place in Toronto. Um, Pretty much all of life is new challenges right now, so I'm actually not trying to add too many to the mix. Got it. On top of that, you're locked out of your own country. I am locked out of my own country. That is correct. That was another episode of Fast Talk. As always, we love your feedback. Email us at fasttalk at fastlabs.com or call 719-800-2112 and leave us a voice. Subscribe to Fast Talk on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, or wherever you prefer to find your favorite podcasts. Be sure to leave us a rating and a review. The thoughts and opinions expressed on Fast Talk are those of the individual. For Julie Emmerman, 
and Trevor Connor. I'm Chris Case. Thanks for listening. Thank you.